I'm going to go ahead and pull up this um, slide here. The title of our lesson this morning from 1 John chapter 1, 1 through 4 is, This is the life. And that works. Uh, we all have our opinions about life and what it's supposed to be like and what our, kind of our hopes and dreams are. Well, the Apostle John is going to reveal the life that he discovered. So we'll talk about John and life. We'll talk about the life discovered and then life experienced. I want to give you this kind of lighthearted illustration about how sometimes people can have different opinions, kind of different views about what life is supposed to be like. So here it is. A couple of young men one summer living in a small rural town, they had agreed that they would dig graves to make money during the summer. And so on this one occasion, they were told, we need you to dig an extra large oversized grave. And they were told that in this small town, the wealthiest citizen in that town had passed away, this older gentleman. His last request was that he would be buried in his gold-plated convertible Cadillac. Sitting right up at the wheel, uh, in the seat with his hands on the wheel. So they dug it. They waited for the funeral. And on that day, they were kind of standing up on a little hill so they could watch what was going on. There was a big crane, and it lowered this gold plated Cadillac down towards the grave. And there was this older man sitting right up there at the wheel. And this young guy looked over at his buddy and he goes, Man, that's living. <laughs> You made enough money in life, you could be buried in a gold-plated convertible Cadillac. Man, that's living. Well, you know, we kind of all have an opinion, don't we? About what our life is going to be like. This is what I'm going to do when I get older. And I'm going to travel the world, and I'm going to do these kind of things. I'm going to live in this kind of a house. I'm going to drive this kind of a car. I want to have this kind of money and all these. we got these visions of what we think life is supposed to be about and what we're going to do. Well, John is going to write and tell us about the life that he discovered. So I want you to notice 1 John chapter 1. I'm just going to read verse 1 and 2 to get started here this morning. I'll go ahead and advance that slide. John says, That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled, concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life which was with the Father and manifested to us. So John writes about the life, and he writes about the life that was manifested to them. You might say, John's writing about the life that he came to know, that he discovered. Now, it's generally agreed that John's letters, and especially here, 1 John, was written sometime in the mid to late 90s. John, at that time, when he wrote this letter, was probably the last surviving apostle. He would have been aged. 
by now, older. He would also be in his 90s. As I think about John writing this, and I think about what the things that John has written other letters in the New Testament, and I think about John's life. One of the things that comes to my mind as I was thinking about this is John chapter 21, the Gospel of John chapter 21. You remember that? You remember that morning when Jesus is standing on the shore and He ends up having breakfast with some of the disciples? Because the apostles, after Jesus had been crucified, and resurrected they were still kind of confused as to what they were supposed to be doing and so Peter announced he said I'm going fishing (laughs) and others went with him and then Jesus appears to them that morning and remember Jesus has this conversation with Peter and he asked him three times do you love me and Peter answers says you know all things you know I love you and then Jesus says to him When you were young, you went, just kind of a paraphrase, you went where you wanted to go. But when you are older, they will gird you and they will lead you where you do not want to go. Signifying by what kind of death he would die. And Peter says... And he points to another disciple. And it's readily agreed that that other disciple he points to, he asked Jesus, what about him? And Jesus said, if I will for him to remain till I come, what's that to you? You follow me. That other disciple, (laughs) that was John. And Jesus is saying, if he lives longer than you, you don't worry about that. You worry about what I'm calling you to do. But we ask ourselves this question, why would Jesus want John to remain? And we know... That especially like Paul and Peter and other apostles and James was early on. (laughs) They've all died. They've all gone. Paul and Peter were probably put to death in the mid-60s. That's 30 years ago. But John, John has remained. Jesus knew John. (laughs) He knew all of them. Jesus had a plan for John. John was going to remain. John probably lived longer than any of the other apostles. It's now the mid-90s. John is in his 90s. And as far as we know, for the first time in the 90s, He picks up his pen. (laughs) And he writes. He writes the Gospel of John. 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, 
Revelation in the 90s. He writes. It's said as you read John's letters that he writes with a fatherly affection. But he also writes with a fatherly authority as he writes. But commentators will tell you that when John writes, his writing is a little bit different as you read it than it is some of the other writers. They all write with the intent of telling the truth and then that truth of being applied. But with John, he writes the truth with the intent of that truth being experienced, being lived is the way he writes. Matthew, the fourth chapter, about verses 18 through 22. It's where Matthew records for us the call of James and John as they were fishing with their father Zebedee. And Jesus calls them to come follow him. Think about that. John was maybe, maybe 30 years old at the time. Do you think John at 30 years old, think back to when, well, some of you aren't even 30 yet, but the older ones, think back to when you were 30. (laughs) Did you kind of have a vision about what life was going to be like and what you were going to do? John was probably around that age. He's in the fishing business with his brother James and his father Zebedee, and maybe he's thinking, you know, one of these days, Zebedee... He's going to be gone. We'll take over the fishing business. Maybe we'll buy out these other little fishing businesses here on the Sea of Galilee. And maybe we'll set up franchise on the Mediterranean. (laughs) We'll grow this thing. And when I'm old, I'll build me a house on the shores. And I'll overlook the Sea of Galilee. Won't that be the life? Do you think John had plans? I think he probably did. But then Jesus called. And he was changed. Transformed. And he saw things differently. He saw himself different. He saw others different. He saw life different. See, there's quite a bit recorded for us about John in the New Testament. Read John chapter 1 sometimes. That's probably the first, one of the first encounters he had with Jesus. Read Matthew 4. That's when he's called. Read later in Matthew, about the 10th chapter where he's listed as one of the apostles. So he left fishing. He left Galilee. And in his 90s, he writes five books. The gospel, as it said, that he wrote is to convert sinners. The letters... 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John are written to confirm the saints 
revelation is to coronate the king. And as we talked about this morning, as he wrote John, 1 John, he talks about God is light. God is love. God is life. See, what John's saying is, you can be alive. You can be living. You can be breathing. You can be working. You can be playing. And still not be living the life that God intends for you to live. Because he had done that. But now he's living the life that God intended for him to live. So before we go any further, let me ask you this question. You got a vision for life? You got a vision of your own life? And how life should be lived? Let me ask you this. What makes you tick? What do you pursue that makes you feel alive? What do you think will satisfy your life and make you feel fulfilled at the end of it? What do you think you should pursue that when this life is over, when you come to the end, That you can look back and you can say, man, that was living. See, because we've all got this vision, this idea about what we think life is all about. And when we stop and think about that, that's the big question. The big question that's been around forever. And the big question is, what's the meaning of life? (laughs) What's the purpose of life? If you want to check, there's a movie out about that now. But men have been asking that question forever. What's the meaning of life? What's the purpose of life? Biblical writers and human philosophers have written trying to answer that question. You remember the book of Ecclesiastes with the Song of Solomon? He sought out that answer, didn't he? And he was searching life under the sun is the way he describes it. And he sought for the meaning of life. And he sought it in wisdom. He sought it in his work. He sought it in possessions. He sought it in pleasure. He sought it in wine, women, and song. <laughs> and he was a king and he had the, well, uh, the wherewithal to do all of that. And after he had ventured out and sought out all those things, what did he say about it? Vanity of vanities. It's empty. It's chasing after the wind. Because it doesn't really satisfy. And then he finally gives the answer in Ecclesiastes 12 and about verses 13 and 14 
and I'm going to let you look it up. <laughs> Human philosophers have also approached that question. What's the meaning of life? One philosopher put it this way. He said, there is a yawning void in the human condition. And men try to fill that void with all kinds of things. They try to fill it with money. They try to fill it with pleasure. They try to fill it with possessions. Some try to fill it with sex. Some try to fill it with alcohol. Some try to fill it with drugs. All searching for something that gives them that ultimate sense of fulfillment and satisfaction in their life. But I like the way this other philosopher put it. He said, for man, there is a void. And that void is a God-shaped hole. And so John will write, because he found what fills that void. So John chapter 1, or 1 John chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested to us. That which we have seen and heard, we declare to you, that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. So what John says, he says, that life, it was manifest. And so what he's saying is, I finally saw, I saw a life. That's what was manifest, made known. To us. And he said that life. Which was from the beginning. The life. That fills that yawning void. You know what John's saying? That answer that men have long searched for. He said it's always been there. It was there from the beginning. It was there before the beginning. Because he'll go on to say in verse 2 that this is the eternal life. So what he was saying is it was before the beginning. It was at the beginning. And when this life was over, that life goes on. In verse 2 he says that life was manifested. And we declare to you that eternal life. It's forever. It's from forever. And it'll be forever. You can have it. 
You can taste it. You can keep it. Forever. That's what you say. Time and death may take this world and everyone in it. But that life that you can have, that we saw, you can have it forever. And John says, we saw it, we looked upon it, we touched it. It was with the Father, and it was manifested to us. In John's Gospel, in chapter 1, he'll say, in the beginning was the Word. But in 1 John in chapter 5, verse 12, he said, He who has the Son has the life, and he who does not have the Son of God does not have the life. So John's saying, if you have the life, and if you have the Son, you can have the life. If you don't have the Son, you don't have the life. And so he says, we declare this to you. This life was made manifest. So in John 1, he says, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. And in verse 4 he says, and the Word was life. And this life was the life of men. And then in verse 14, he says, and this Word became flesh. And dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory. Glory is the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So God made this life manifest. So they, the apostles, John, could hear, could see, could touch, could experience, could share that life. I want to ask you something. How does John know that that was the life that God wanted man to have? And that they should share with others so that they could have that eternal life. What's John point to? I want to stop right there for a second. Because sometimes people will say, oh, you just accept things by faith. You ever hear them say that? And then when they say, oh, you just accept things by faith, they'll follow that up and say, that's just blind faith. And that's where you come and you just take this blind leap. And to that I would say, they don't understand faith. They certainly don't understand biblical faith. Because faith is always based 
on evidence. See, what they want to tell you is, in life, you just follow logic so far, and when logic won't take you any further, then comes faith, and that's just kind of blind, and that's what you follow. (laughs) And what I'm saying is, faith that is revealed in the Scripture is always based upon evidence. So it's logical that you take the evidence and you examine it and then you follow it where it leads you. (laughs) Now we can't do it today, but we will do it in the future, God willing. We'll talk about evidence for God. (laughs) He's not left Himself without evidence. We'll talk about evidence for God, why we should have faith in God. We'll talk about evidence for Jesus Christ as the Son of God and the resurrection and why we should believe in it. We'll talk about evidence for this Word and why we should believe that this is the Word of God and follow the evidence so that you have faith based upon it. And you follow that. But at this point, what I want to do is to show you what John's doing. Because John is pointing towards the evidence. And so in verse 1 he says, that which was from the beginning. You read 1 John, you read the Gospel of John, and you come to understand what he's talking about. The Gospel... In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Verse 14, and the Word became flesh. What's the evidence, John? John says, we saw Him. We heard Him. We touched Him. We experienced Him. We were with Him. This letter, written in the 90s, it's not been that long since Jesus walked the face of the earth. And so John is saying, we're declaring to you that life which was from the beginning. We saw Him, we heard Him, we touched Him, we experienced Him, we were with Him, we shared with Him. Check it out. There are people who are still alive that can verify these things. And we, the apostles, are witnesses. And that's what Jesus had said in the book of Acts, chapter 1 and verse 8. And ye shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the utmost parts of the world. My witnesses. And John said, We bear testimony. We declare to you that which was from the beginning. We saw Him. We heard Him. This is the evidence. Check it out. So what would John say? John would say, I walked with Him. I listened to Him. I learned from Him. And John would say, I know the peace 
that filled my soul when I listened to him. When I saw him make the lame to walk, I was there when he made blind Bartimaeus see again. I was in that boat when I thought we were all going to drown and he said to the sea, Peace, be still. I was there and I saw the look on Mary and Martha's face when he raised their brother who had been dead for four four, four days from the grave. I heard him tell them, I'm the resurrection and the life. I was in that room when we all thought all hope was gone. And then he stood in our midst and he showed us his hands and his and his side. And he said, "Be not unbelieving, but believing." So God made Jesus Son of God, God in the flesh, and that life was manifest. And John says, We saw this life, we heard this life, we touched this life, we shared this life, and now we're declaring this life to you. Why? Because we want you to share it too. We want you to experience it. We want you to share it with one another. And with us. Because this fellowship is with the Father and with the Son. Can we see that? That's what he's saying. And that's huge. That's huge. And that's the opening verses of 1 John. And so what John is saying is this. Lots of people have lots of opinions about what life is all about. And what he's saying is, I know this because I had my opinions too. And at one time, I thought if people don't agree with you, you know what you do? You just destroy them. Because John, he's one of the sons of thunder. Remember that? And at one time, I thought life was all about holding power and position. You know how I know that John thought that? Because John and his brother wanted to sit at Jesus' right hand and at his left hand in the kingdom. We want places of honor, position, power.
But this is what God has done, what John's saying. It's kind of like this. We all have an opinion about what life is all about. So I want you to imagine with me for a moment. I think this is the show. You can correct me if this is not it. Remember the Price is Right, I think it was? Remember how they used to have those curtains or doors behind door number one or behind curtain number one and number two and number like that? And it's kind of like this. Life's on the other side of the curtain. And we've kind of got an opinion of when that curtain's pulled back, what that ought to look like and what's there. Is it a gold-plated convertible Cadillac? <laughs> Is it lots of traveling and, and big bank accounts? Is that what's on the other side of that curtain? And John's saying, you know, I had my opinions. But you know what God did? He pulled the curtain back. And guess who stepped out? This life was made manifest to us. And he said, I've seen it. I've heard it. I've touched it. I've experienced it. I shared it with him. And that void, that God-shaped hole that I had in my life, it was filled. And I want to share that. That's what John's saying. I want to share that with you. So life experienced. Verse 3 and 4 once again. That which we have seen and heard we declare to you. That you also may have fellowship with us. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And these things we write to you that your joy may be full. Now, depending on which translation you're reading from, verse 4, it may say, and these things we write to you that our joy may be made full. Either way, it still works out to what God intended. John's saying our joy would be made full because you believe and that you would share, you would have fellowship in this life with us. And if you do that, your joy will be made full. See, because what John is saying is and what we need to understand about this story that's contained in these scriptures, this is an interactive story. We are told a story about what went before us, but there's a point where we join the story. We enter into it. We become part of it. And that's what John is saying they did 
And now we share this with you so that you will share, have fellowship. You will join the story and experience it. Fellowship means participation in something. You share in something. You experience something. You personally know something. And so this life was made manifest. And we share with you and this fellowship is with the Father and the Son and the Apostles and other Christians. That's important that we understand that. Because that's what Christianity is all about. See, because sometimes to listen to some folks you would think that Christianity is just academic, intellectual. Here's some facts that are presented that you need to believe. Well, that's true. <laughs> there are facts. There is evidence that is presented that are true, that need to be believed. But there's more to Christianity than that. Christianity is about acting on, experiencing, sharing in those truths. Let me give you another illustration. In the last couple of weeks or so, my wife came home from work one day and she had a jar about so big and it had honey in it. One of the people where she works, I guess they have beehives or something. There's honey. I like honey. Most people like it. Honey is made from bees. Right? And if you want to, you can Google it. And you can find out everything you ever wanted to know about honeybees. You can find out how many bees are in a hive. You can find out how many or how much honey they will produce each season. How many queen bees there are, how many worker bees there are. You can just find out all kinds of facts about bees. And you can believe those facts. But do you want to know when you enjoy that honey? When you taste it. You want to know when my wife and I have fellowship with that honey? (laughs) When we eat it together. Christianity is about truths and it's about believing those truths 
And John refers to that as light. But he talks about walking in the light. And then he talks about fellowship with the Father, the Son, the Apostles, other Christians. You know why he tells us all that? Because he discovered that's what fills the void. That's what satisfies that God-shaped hole that we have in our life. And he says your joy will be made full. In John, his gospel, in verse 4, he says, In him was the life, and this life was the light of men. So there's opinions, but then there's light. And there's light. And in 1 John chapter 1 and verse 2, he says, We have seen and testified to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. It's in God the Son, eternal life was manifested, and it's in His Son that we can have eternal life. John wrote in his gospel in the third chapter in about verse 36. I'm going to read this to you. Because different translations render this verse differently. But this is the accurate translation of that verse. John chapter 3 and verse 36. It says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not Obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Why does John say it like that? Because John knows there's facts to be believed and there's facts and truth to be obeyed. And the point that he's making is that has got to be experienced. It's got to be shared. We've got to enter into fellowship with the Father and with the Son and with others who believe and obey the same things and enter into that life which is eternal. That's why Jesus says in Mark's gospel at the close, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. See, because it's at that point of baptism, that's the culmination. I heard about Jesus. I came to believe on Jesus. 
and that that's the life that we're supposed to have and I recognize that the life that I had before was not what God had planned. And so I repented of that. And I confessed that He is Lord. And that He died for my sins. And that in baptism, the sins are washed away. And as Paul says in Romans 6, then we're raised to walk in newness of life. We enter in to that life. So John writes in this first letter about this life. This is the life. I want to extend the invitation this morning to any and all that are here. If you've never done that, we would encourage you to do that. Even this very day. If you're a child of God and not been living as you should, and you need to come back to Him and make your life right, we would encourage you to do that also. While together we stand and while we sing.